guys, welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. I am uh, doing a little introduction today to just tell you about a couple of things. First off, Alex and I will both be at the Broke LA uh, Arts and Music Festival here in Los Angeles. So go to BrokeLAFest.com, get your tickets there. It is on April 21st and 22nd. Very cool. And then uh, this episode's a little funny. We only get about halfway through, and the reason is, is there's an adorable dog, which you're going to hear reference to in the episode, and she gets her bark on. Uh, please look up Jason Gonzalez, look up Gonzo. Uh, he's an incredible comic book artist. Uh, you can check him out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. He's a delight. Uh, thank you so much. And if anybody hasn't told you this today, uh, we love you. Bye. Hey, welcome to 12 Questions. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Um, (laughs) My name is Anna Valenzuela. And uh, no Alex Young today. No Alex. We're actually, I'm in Arizona. And uh, I am interviewing uh, just an amazing gem of a person. And no, seriously, this is actually, this is kind of a cool thing. First off, how would you like to identify yourself? Oh, Jay Gonzo is fine. Jay Gonzo. And Jay Gonzo, you do everything. You are a (laughs) comedian. You are an artist. You are, you do... You do tattoos? I do, do, yeah, yeah. You do everything. You're just you're just a badass motherfucker. You do it all. Yeah. Illustration, graphic design, tattoo, comedy. I think that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's, a lot. Yeah. You're living you're living your best life. I'm just I gotta do a little of everything just to you know, because none of it really pays well. So (laughs) (laughs) that's oh that's oh that oh it's real. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. uh, um I uh, met you through friend of the show, Kyle Clark, and um, coming out here to do a show with him that celebrate you do the show annually. Yep. We just had it uh, a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Um, Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we do it on or around March 3rd, which is my sobriety day. Yeah. Yeah. It's called uh, Rock Bottom. And uh, I like to get a mix of people who are uh, actively still doing drugs and drinking, uh, people who are sober (laughs) like yourself. Yeah. some people have experience with it. I have uh, there's my my good luck charm. Uh, this comedian named uh, Heidi Geldes Young. She uh, she's I mean she drinks and stuff, but her father is a heroin addict. So uh, wow. yeah, and she's always got great like heroin addict dad stories. Uh, she did great like when one of his friends OD'd at the house one time, and they were like rather than calling nine one one, they were calling him a pussy. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's the only person I've had on all four times. I think we've done four or five. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun little. Uh, you know, thematic, and we run it like an AA meeting, so everyone comes up and introduces themselves, like, hello, my name is Gonzo, and I'm a comedian, and then yeah. the audience, welcome, Gonzo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a guy, um, last time, he, this guy, Matt, oh God, Matt Walker, he um, he did AA as a means to transi- transition out of the cult he was in. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was like, all, like, I really just wanted to advocate, like, all my time to him, like, I just want to hear more about this cult. Right! <laughs> yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. my God. That Well, that's a, like... People say that 12-step programs are a cult, mm-hmm. and they're not in that you're welcome to leave at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cults are like, yo. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I think the big cult, I mean, I, I think that welcome to leave thing is, is a misnomer, because I think what it is is that um, they won't associate, like, people who have left. Like, that's the, like, you can leave, like, the fundamentalist Church of yeah. Jesus Christ, and, you, know, you can leave any time you want, just know that everyone you know will never speak to you again. Yeah. And it's not, you know, like I don't think they have like fences up or anything and they're like going to forcibly keep you, but they just don't associate with um, uh, apostates, right? Like, isn't that the, like, yeah, yeah. Like if you, if you've been there and and you've left, then, then you're, uh, you're beyond recognition. And so I think that's the thing that keeps you in is that 
the entire life that you know now will go away and it will be you alone in the world with no yeah. sense of, like no point of reference to anchor yourself anymore. And, right. and so I think that's part of what keeps people hanging on to the ridiculousness, you know, so that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What? A, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was real. It was a real interesting time. Uh, and it was funny cause initially he just kind of like dropped the world. I dropped like, Oh, when I was in this cult and the cult leader, this and the cult leaders granddaughter that I was married to, Oh yeah. You get married at like 18 or something. What? I think he's what like, was the cult? uh, you know that he told me what it was and it's this real new agey new media. It's not Christian based. It's like, uh, uh it's like, uh, um, heaven's gate kind of shit. Like, what? yeah, it's <laughs> totally like, I don't think they've all killed themselves yet. Uh, but I feel like it's it's leading toward that from what I've understand. Yeah, it, it has it's nothing to do with like Jesus or Christianity. It's not these like charismatic Christian cult. It's like, um, uh, yeah, it's like aliens uh, and media. And he, he sort of got into it. I, I can't do it justice. I, I do want to just sit down with him sometime. And, and How long has he been sober? Where is he at? Maybe well, he can interview him. While yeah. I'm oh, he's out here. Uh, he's he was only sober for a while. Like I said, I think he used it to transition. Uh, but he was I think he was sober for like five or six years from what I understand. Wild. And then uh, and then he went back to uh, drinking and drinking. Like, I think he drank while he was in, or was allowed to drink in the cult and stuff. So he was like kind of afraid that like that first drink he was saying was like real scary yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you know am i gonna slip back am i gonna be in a cult in a year from now so Whoa. yeah because we all have that that number in our head of like when we'll end up back to where we were like how long it's gonna take right. if we should start again yeah yeah right and that's the thing it's like some of us it's jails institutions and death and i guess in that guy's situation <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a cult it's a cult yeah that's terrifying <laughs> yeah. holy shit for sure uh, uh yeah i mean I'll, I'll reach out to him and see if uh if you can that maybe was- talk to him yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, so he did the program for um, God, like I, th- I think he said like four or five years, and yeah. then he kind of uh, just decided that that uh, he had thrown the baby out with the bathwater, maybe, and was able to to drink and stuff. So yeah, yeah. there is that. Yeah. I find I find that a lot. I when I first started doing stand up, and maybe you had this experience too. <laughs> I would. When did did you start stand up after you got sober? Oh yeah, I've been sober since I was sixteen. So okay. yeah, I for sure started. I, I did everything. I mean, it's a rarity that I run into anyone in my life who remembers me as uh, uh as a drug addict and and, and drinker uh we're both in the 20 under 21 crowd yeah, yeah yeah uh so i mean yeah i never had a legal beer like i've never uh, sat in a bar and had like a, a drink uh yeah i've never drank and drove because i got sober like a week and a half after i turned 16 <laughs> so that's crazy yeah yeah i never even had the opportunity to drink and drive um yeah i mean you know i definitely hopped on my bike drunk a lot in stone and and yeah. uh, and i did that great thing where you uh where you just like I rode my bike to a place and then just woke up another place and was like, whoa. And then like saw that my bike was there too. And I'm like, oh, I like in that blackout state, yeah. I, I, uh, I exercised. I got, some, <laughs> I put, burned some calories. I got my calorie. I yeah, got yeah. my cardio in. For sure. Yeah. It. I do remember that. Yeah. I remember waking up at home one day after I had this like night of binge drinking and, and, uh, I think smoking dope or possibly some cocaine as well. Uh, smoking cocaine, not, uh, not snorting it cause I'm not an animal. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, I, um, and I just remember being home and being real surprised I was home and in my uh, my top bunk bunk bed, you know, and uh, and just being like, oh, and I still had like all my clothes on, uh, including my shoes. I was in my bed, just completely clothed. That's fun. Uh, and then it was just like, uh, and I, you know, something. My first thought is like, oh shit, where's my bike? Because I thought someone had to have taken me home because it was like just that instantaneous right. of like I sort of remember laying by the pool on a bench and then boom, I'm in my bed. And then I went out to my garage and it was just there. Wow. So you had a blackout. Mm -hmm. You had a blackout drunk biking experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You were high Uh on a bike. That's great. Uh, Yeah. And I I vaguely remember there was this... there was this park, this this rather large park that was between my house and the place that I had been. And I have a vague memory of getting drink from the fountain there, like stopping for a drink because okay. I must have been parched. Like, uh, 
thirsty. Yeah, I need to stop. I like uh, when you see somebody who's like really high, especially if they're like like they've been smoking cocaine or doing whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just show up in a business and they're in a full sweat, mm-hmm. no matter what they've been doing, and they are thirsty, like in the scene in Anchorman where he's like milk, <laughs> like he's just yeah. drinking milk, like thirsty, like you can't believe. Oh, uh, I yeah, I did that. Uh, I do have a memory of of that exact thing where I was like, uh, oh God, I was like, I think I was high. I had passed out. Um, what's it called? Uh, I passed out on a recliner with my mouth open. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like completely like head back mouth open and woke up and my tongue was like a rock in my mouth. And then I, uh, I woke up and had to be somewhere. So I, I uh, I took a little bump to, to get my day going and then stopped at like McDonald's and, uh, and asked the girl for like, you know, hot cakes and sausage. And then I like, I, I like, I did the thing where like I pulled my sunglasses down to make eye contact and it was like in the biggest fucking Coke you have. And this like 13 year old, you know, or 15 year old McDonald worker, she's just, she's just like gingerly like, oh, well, we have the super summer sizes. I'm like, perfect. And she just like filled it up. And while I was waiting for McDonald's to just assemble my meal, not cook my meal, just assemble my meal. <laughs> I had drank the entire thing. And like, as the food gets slid over to me, I'm hitting that like last bit of just ice on the Coke on like 64 ounces of Coke. Yeah. That's so yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I don't get to obviously we don't get to to drink or use, but I will fuck with the hot sauce all day. Oh, Somebody yeah. brought me a, uh, a habanero sauce last night at a restaurant we were oh. at, where I literally drank three glasses of water <laughs> d- just as you described. Like yeah. the waitress would go to the go away to fill up the water, and I drank Stewart's water, and oh. then she would come back and have to fill another water. It was the funniest. Just, just leave. I'm so sorry. Just leave the pitcher. It wouldn't it's be here. So yeah. good. I can't uh, stop eating. Well, restaurant where you at? Uh, you know, I wish I could remember. Right. I'm going to ask. It was some gastro pub in Tempe. Okay. There were four guys sitting at a table talking about trucks and tow and, and towing trucks mm-hmm. for 35 minutes straight. That sounds like Tempe. Yeah, yeah we yeah. just sat there and listened and eavesdropped and watched one woman disassociate from that entire table. The whole yeah, time. it's uh, it's the uh, ASU is slowly taking over that entire town. Like yeah. every time I go there, another building is just turned into ASU, um, and and it's a party school, and it's just it's yeah. uh, it's it's the worst. It's, it was bros talking about bro stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so much fist bumping that happens there. It's not even yeah. <laughs> Fists are bumping right. Yeah, now. yeah. We were doing the the game the other day where we were trying to compare. Uh, Arizona's neighborhoods to LA neighborhoods. And I don't remember where we ended up on Tempe. I think Huntington yeah. is where we like Huntington, like main street Huntington. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's Tempe for yeah, sure. For yeah. sure. The, yeah. So how do you, and thank you so much. I feel like you okay. really like explained the, or at least did the qualifying bit. Like that being said, how did you experience surrender? Oh, wow. Um, I pushed too hard. I would say like I, you know, so I think one of the, um, one of my key characteristics and, and one of a, a dick addicts characteristics is that we chase the fun. Yeah. You know, if one is good, then five is better, you know, yeah. like, uh, and there's no like, Oh, well that kind of ran its course. And then it, it's done. It's like, you're just always, you know, it's, it's the, it's the cocaine at two in the morning. Cause God knows something fun might happen right. at three in the morning. Right. Nothing fun ever happens at three right. in the morning. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I just would, you know, I just pushed, uh, way too hard and, uh, got into drugs that weren't, um, I wasn't ready for, you know, like I had like a bad acid trip that really set me reeling. Um, and, uh, and then, um, accidentally did a bunch of PCP. Um, like some friend of mine thought it would be hysterical to like, we were going to split a joint on the way to school. And then, uh, it turned out to be laced and then he turned it and I ended up smoking the lion's share of it cause he knew he was getting wet and I did not. Uh, and I just freaked out. Like I got, I like walked into a, a donut shop, um, 
And uh, nope, quiet girl. Sorry. <laughs> There's um, the cutest dog in the whole wide world is joining yeah. us today. Um, yeah. She's so cute. Uh, thank you. And um, yeah, she's been lazy all day. And this is like the most active she's been. I was like, oh, good. She'll be quiet today. And it's not so much. Um, no, she was saving it up. Yeah. So I ended up um, I ended up going into a donut shop like on my way to school to, to try to get some coffee and some food in my belly and kind of yeah. like shake the cobwebs out of my head. And like the second I sit down, these two cops walk in. <laughs> it's just like. Uh, completely uh, like that just made me paranoid instantaneously like right as the PTP is like full on kicking in right I'm just like oh police officers and then I like told my friend to like like dude don't move and then they won't see you because I had mistaken uh, cops or T-Rexes uh, and uh, and my friend realizes how fucked up I am and so in, in true scumbag fashion uh, he just bails on me. <laughs> She's like, dude, so funny. you're so fucked you're up. Seeing, so you're seeing T-Rexes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm just seeing, I'm like, I'm thinking of cops as predators. Like if I don't move, they won't see me, you know, like that kind of like, uh, and, uh, and he, he sees that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know what I was like seeing, but I definitely was like that kind of Hunter Thompson, uh, when he checks into the bar, uh, the hotel, like when there's just like lizards and horrible things, like <laughs> everything just gets macabre and horrible all at the same time. Like, you know, just, just like the the um the mechanical rhythm of the person like using the, like the cash register and buying like it just seemed like he was like he just had become automated and in my head he's just this machine of a person like wow. kind of you know it's just it's a lot of like just projecting like weird word association that just all takes a turn for the worse That's all at the same time yeah and so my buddy who uh um calm down baby sorry uh and my buddy who uh who had gotten me high uh, who just cuts me loose just is like yeah so you're cool. fucked up I'm out of here and just leaves me there uh, and then I like wander my way home. And, uh, and like, you know, convinced my father apparently that I was sick and he calls me in sick. And then, uh, and then I spent three days just fucked up on PCP, uh, not sleeping, not eating, uh, looking terrible. Um, and then, uh, did your parents have any idea what was going on? No, not at all. Yeah. Really? I mean, like we were latchkey kids I mean, this was like okay. the, you know, this is 90. So, I mean, like we'd been latchkey kids since, uh, <laughs> no ma'am. Uh, we had been latchkey kids since my brother started first grade. He's four years behind. It's like 84, like, yeah. I guess, you know, it's like first you know, six or so years. We just been feral children kind of raising each other. Right. Uh, and um, yeah, so they didn't know fuck all about our lives. You know, like they, it would, my mom was back at work. My dad was working late hours. Like they just kind of, you know, they, they, they came home. And I think that if none of us needed stitches, it was kind of considered a win, you know? So right. like, like our interpersonal lives, like they had no idea uh, who my friends were, what we were up to, any of that shit. I mean, they had, some of them had been friends I'd known since first grade. So they just kind of thought that we were all those little kids still, you know? Right. Uh, and not like, you know, branching out and, you know, buying weed from Vietnam vets or, you know, shit like that we, we were. Um, you could but, always in Arizona find weed from a situation like that. Just like an old man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Convenience store. Yeah. Well, I grew up in L.A. Like, oh, oh, yeah, I yeah, knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. No, I mean, and, and you know, uh, and I think it's part of why I did other drugs because, you know, I was like, grew up in that drought in the 80s where, like yeah. it was just all this brown mexican ditch weed that was terrible and i'm like where were you in la i knew this. cyprus cyprus yeah yeah okay. so i'm like that the i mean you know it's the ass end of orange county yeah it's yeah, like yeah. it's not really i mean it's it's orange county but it's, it's like uh, 20 minutes from 20 well not even 20 minutes yeah maybe 20 minutes from long beach yeah there. no i mean yeah. we we border long beach yeah. all i mean i think almost i think we're like catty corner so like lakewood is kind of i think in yeah, between yeah, yeah. us and like uh yeah, Cypress is right up against the San Gabriel, which is what separates L.A. from Orange County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, you know, it's like up there at Norwalk and Hawaiian Gardens and those lovely yeah. places. Yeah, oh, those lovely yeah, places. yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even our Asian kids murdered a guy out there. So I mean, there's a, like a movie that got made out of it. Um, I think uh, what was it? Yeah, Justin Lin's first movie was about this uh, these smart kids that were dealing drugs that uh, that killed one of their their cohorts. And see, that was just like, me being accidentally self centered. I I started using in Arizona. Oh, okay. So, 
but I'm from California. And okay. I would move back and forth and, and all of that kind of like crazy stuff. So oh, yeah. that was just me being like, I've been this whole week, I've been having this like weird, like, like we're staying near an apartment building I used to live in. Oh. And like, we're going to do a gig tonight very close to where I got arrested. <laughs> like, it's cool. all, this is all a flashback trip. That's yeah. Yeah. Is. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So I grew up out there. And, and um, oh, so anyway, so, you know, back to my. So I was uh, been up for like three days on PCP, uh, which is not something you ever want to say in your life. Right. Uh, and especially um, that young. Do you feel like that affects you now? I think it did. I mean, I think I think I did a lot of things too young that really have. Uh, that I'm just maybe starting to kind of unpack and make, make peace with. I mean, like I had sex way too early. I had, uh, you know, um, I kind of moved out too young, you know, like I yeah. definitely, um, Where did you move out? uh, I was like 18, like literally 17, my yeah. parents, I graduated high school on like a Wednesday and my parents like left for Arizona that like Monday, the next Monday, <laughs> and it's just like living on my own. I mean, I didn't abandon me. I wanted to stay cause I wanted to be in LA and not Arizona. Right. But, um, yeah, man, like I, you know, uh, I was not really equipped to to, to be on my own. Yeah, like not in Los Angeles, you know, like I moved to like Long Beach and like North Hollywood and yeah. shit. Yeah, I was like, I was like living in Hollywood on um, Melrose and uh, Fairfax uh, and working in Buena Park. Okay. Because I didn't understand the absurdity of spending like 45 to an hour 20 on the 91 every day. You know what I mean? Like. It, it, I did the same thing when I moved to LA. Everybody does that. They're like, "Oh, I'm gonna live somewhere where it takes me two years to get home every day." Yeah, and it's you know Melrose is fun for like a week. You know, like fuck, I live on Melrose, but then like that whole street sweeping situation happens on a third, and you're like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Like my lane just turned into a parking lot suddenly, and I got to get yeah. over. Uh, yeah, and it, it did never. I mean, I was working like a bullshit coffee shop job. I have no idea why I did not just try to work at a coffee shop in fucking Hollywood, right? And just keep that job in Buena Park that I thought was like some be all end all job. Like I just had yeah, this like piece of shit Chevy Citation that I'm driving like 120 miles a day on. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I think that and like the drug. I mean, I started doing drugs at like you know 13. I had sex yeah. at 13. Like I just was like, I mean, I tried drinking. I think before that and had gotten drunk on. F- fairly regular occasion since, you know, maybe 10 or 11. And then like really kind of made it a lifestyle at like 13. Like that's when I was like, you know, my smoking went from every now and then to like having packs on me all the time. And and then, you know, it was every weekend and a lot of the weekdays being fucked up on something. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had cultivated a pretty good method though um, where I'd like, uh, I smoked pot with a group, you know, certain groups of people. I did cocaine with other groups of people. I did, you know, like mushroom. Like I didn't really, no one really thought I had a problem because, uh, they were like kind of disparate groups, you know, cause I'd gone to like Catholic school for the first, you know, seven years of my life or seven years of school. And I said, I had like my Catholic school friends that I like drank with, you know, and then I had some pot smoking friends that I went to junior high with. And then I had some cocaine friends that I had just met post high school, you know, like, or in high school that weren't associated. So they were all just yeah. like different groups of people. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm like uh, fucked up on PCP. It's like day three. And, uh, and I should point out like I had a girlfriend who didn't like, that I did drugs or anything. So I tried to be kind of Hollywood sober a few times where I was just like drinking and smoking pot. And then, you know, um, eventually someone's like pulls out some Coke and is like, Hey, let's keep the night going. And like, that's perfect idea. Um, so this is like, you know, fuck, this is probably, you know, the time, this last time I got sober was probably like my fourth or fifth time, like attempting sobriety up to some degree. Trying to do it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, you know, day three of being up on PCP, my mom finally comes home and is like, sees that I haven't like, I just like, you know, fucking look like shit. Like at 16, I'm like, you know, 95 pounds, you know, like, uh, and I'm sure that just wasn't a good look on me. So my mom's like, "Mm, let's go see a doctor. 
And I'm like, that's that's an excellent idea. Right. Uh, and I and in my head, I have this thought where I'm like, I wonder what I need to tell this doctor so that they'll give me something so that I can just get some fucking sleep. Right. You know, uh, and I'm like, what's it going to take to get something like real, you know, like like Percocet or, you know, what right. I mean, like or volume esque in right. my system. Right. And then at that point, I had the thought, hey, uh, maybe if my solution to being on too many drugs is more drugs. Maybe maybe I have a problem, right? And you had no exposure to twelve step programs before. Then? Uh, no, not at all. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, but I just kind of was like, yeah, that was that. Like, I just saw the the flaw in that thinking. Like, that is, that's real dumb. Like, if my answer to drugs is more drugs, like I this right. this could be like a problem. Right. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, so like I make a deal with myself. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to volunteer any information. But if this doctor asks me if I'm on drugs, I'm not going to lie. I'll I'll admit to being fucked up, right? right. But I'm, but, you know, like we'll see, we'll see how far I can get not having to answer that question. So I go, uh, you know, get checked in, get weighed in and stuff. And the doctor comes in and, and she's like, uh, you know, ask me like three questions. She's like, you know, you hit your head, you do this, and like, and like the third question is like, you on any drugs? I'm like, nope. You sure. know. <laughs> yeah. No. And then she asks like a few more questions. Like, you sure you haven't done any drugs? I'm like, yeah, no, no, not at all. No, I don't know what this is all about. And she's like, kind of checked, you know, like checks my ears and eyes and stuff. And she's like you sure there's not some drugs involved here? And I'm like, like kind of getting ready to lie a third time, yeah. you know? And then just realize that I can't even keep a deal with myself. Like, a, right. like, a, I can't even honor a commitment I made to myself. And I was like, I just kind of felt like a piece of shit, you know? I was just like, ah, fuck this. I, you know, like I, I kind of realized that just, I couldn't, I couldn't get my way out of this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, this isn't, this isn't something I was equipped to handle anymore. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm on drugs. Uh, and then, you know, it was just this horrible, like she talked to me a bit, was like, you know, you think maybe you need some help getting off of them? Like, yeah, probably, you know, I definitely do. And then, so she like kind of set up some, some counseling and some rehab, uh, and, uh, and then called my mom in and then I had to explain all of this to my mother and then go home and explain it to my father. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they weren't both there at the same time. So right. yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. So I mean, I think surrender was just that kind of like realizing that I hadn't, uh, I couldn't keep a deal with myself. Like just realizing that that was like, you know, cause I'd, it'd been a fuck up for a good chunk of my life at that point, you know? And, and, uh, and I think that was kind of the allure that got me into it. It was just that kind of like those kind of rascal kids that, uh, that were so popular in that, that era, you know, like just that glamorizing, like I grew up watching, you know, like over the edge and, yeah. you know, like the pom pom girls and just those yeah. shitty, like just shitty teenagers doing shitty things. And like, Oh, that's, you know, that looks like a lot of fun. Just do whatever the fuck you want. Um, especially coming from Catholic school, which is just, you know, yeah, just unquestioning dogma. Yeah. Do none of the fuck of what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Want, do what your religion wants, do what your church expects, but don't. don't yeah, do and unquestioning, like none of it needs to make sense either. You know right. what I mean? Like the more it makes make the more it doesn't make sense and you still do it, the better off you are. Yeah. Which was just like, yeah, no. Uh, right. So. Uh, so, yeah. So fuck you. And uh, I'm going to do what the fuck I want. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I just. uh I, I couldn't fuck up my way out of out of how fucked up I felt. And and yeah. so um but I think like the key the key thing that really kind of that made the, I think the sobriety stick stick is that they didn't do anything. Like they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you start rehab Wednesday, we'll get you in there. It was like outpatient rehab, you know, we yeah. see some people, yada yada yada. And they're like, fucking tough it out. <laughs> Cupcake, yeah. you know what I mean? They like, oh trying to control it. Yeah, yeah. They did they yeah. didn't do anything to diminish my anxiety, how I felt, like what was going on in my head. Or like they're just like, Yeah, you, you kinda have to deal with this. And then I was like, Oh, I gotta I gotta put some work in on this. And I, I think the fact that I kind of 
that I had to cobble it together, you know, um, it's like when a, the, the psychologists call the Ikea effect, you know, like you yeah. overvalue things that you built. So it's like, no, I, I made this. So now I'll, um, you know, my sobriety is, is self-made. So I, I, I won't take it apart because I put it together. Right. So then I understand every fucking brick of the 28 years I've been sober. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. Thanks. What? Yeah. Since you've been sober for 28 goddamn years, <laughs> yeah. you've been sober longer then my boyfriend's been alive. I've been, I've been sober <laughs> almost as long as my wife has been alive. Like she oh was, yeah, she's, uh, I think she's like 18 months young, older than my sobriety. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's nuts to think. I mean, I did the, I started that bit or my show. Um, I actually like I headlined and I, uh, and I hosted, um, but I started it by asking Siri how many days it had been since my sobriety day. And it's been more than 10,000 days since I got sober. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's just weird to think that, you know, I mean, that's just one, you know, fuck, it's so cliche to say, but it's just, you know, a day at a time. It really yeah. Is. Yeah. And then you turn around and you're like, wait a minute, I have gray hair. Yeah. When did this happen? Yeah. I've had a lot of experience. What has been your most insane experience throughout your recovery? Oh, man. Well, I think the weirdest thing, I mean, I don't know. I had to, uh, I had to just dip out on some friends for a while, you know, like, cause I got sober at 16 a lot of them were kind of, you know, better kids. And then so somewhere like in college, they're all like, they just kind of go nuts. And I just can't, I couldn't be a part of it. You know, like I can't, I mean, I've done, uh, you know, I've done my share of kind of hanging out with those people. But um, at some point, if it's like, I see someone's kind of just in the throes of like, you know, being an addict or what, you know, I'm just like, I'm just gonna, like, I know where this goes. I know, I know the, pro this process, like, I'll be here if you need me, but I can't, I can't be around for all of this, you know? And I'm just right. kind of like, so I had to like kind of say goodbye to some friends and then catch back up with them. Like, you know, a good decade later when they're like responsible adults now and, you know, not, not, uh, not getting arrested in Mexico for trying to smuggle LSD in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, uh, I, you know, I just enjoyed being a bad kid. So I still kind of held on to that lifestyle for a really long time, despite just drinking or not drinking or doing drugs, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we had this whole, uh, I did, I, again, I'm like, keep meaning to do bits, but like I did a whole little <laughs> bit about like on my 21st birthday, I got banned from three bars, still sober. I'd been sober at five, five years at that That's point. Great. Yeah. And still got kicked out of three different That's bars. It's a very yeah. five years sober thing though. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Like, people think we get, we get clean, we get sober and then we get perfect. Oh God, no. No. Oh, I no. mean, I've definitely, um, you know, been the, the van driver when we were like, okay, let's like, my friends are all taking acid and going to Disneyland. I'm like, well, somebody should probably make sure that they don't die, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Uh, then I've definitely been that guy. And then, um, you know, as I've gotten older and my, my, my friends have become more and more kind of career alcoholics, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, I mean, you know, we're in our forties now. So my friends, you know, I've got some friends who are pushing 50 too. And it's like when they go out drinking and they know they have a designated driver, they drive like the they drink like the stock market crashed. You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, I don't have to be responsible. You know, yeah. Uh, and it's pretty funny because they do act like toddlers. And oh, there is something if you do if you enjoy playing with like a two year old. Yeah, yeah. Like a belligerently drunk friend is oh, about the same. But they're yeah, my yeah. friends are like the ones who like will buy like last call will get two different drinks and then go in the bathroom because they know that's the last place they look to clear out alcohol like people drinking. Oh like, my god. Yeah, so I've I've had to go in a bathroom and like look under like it's like their feet are up on the stalls too like they're hiding like they're in high school so and it's like you know 2 30 in the morning and i'm like dinky we gotta get the fuck out of here yeah so how did you get kicked out of five bars on your 21st uh three bars three bars three bars uh the first was the big story and that was um that was this uh 
God damn. Like, I don't know. These tater tots are not acceptable. Uh, I don't know how like how long you want it. Like it's a really really long story that involves a reverse drive-by shooting Australians in a produce warehouse in Los Angeles. But the short answer what? is is that uh, yeah, the short answer is that uh, a bunch of us, a bunch of like punk rockers, just descended yeah. on this bar. At some point, uh, we got into some of their their property. Uh, and they pulled the plug on us in the most the most violent like get the fuck out of our bar kind of way. Like they just went out to like the main fucking circuit breaker and like there's all the little switches for all that. Like they just pulled yeah. the main big switch. Oh, that well, every like single every single bit of any electricity flowing into that building got shut off. And they were like, get the fuck out. And it was like, yeah, none of you guys are allowed back in here. And that was like a just a summar- similar summarily dismissed uh, anyone who's got like tattoos or piercings. Uh, facial piercings or mohawks are like you're just all the fuck out of here like you're never wow. yeah like no no punk allowed back in there and this is like uh yeah you know um yeah so that was like that that i got banned from that bar for that but the other two um uh, i got banned from linda's doll hut uh because a friend of mine and we we used to be in tight there before it was the rockabilly mecca yeah when it was a punk club right yeah. they they only they literally used to just have uh, rockabilly night like it was like wednesday nights i think we used yeah. to call it butterhead night um and uh and so uh we were there kind of when the transition kind of went from uh it's back you know when when um when social distortion just becomes this fucking institution it's like when right. they were just a band you know yeah. like so we'd been there when when uh when it'd been this very punk bar and then we were getting uh less and less respect there as like the rockabillies moved in and so uh the the uh, the the fucking butterhead uh, b- uh, bouncer, as my friend put it, uh, just got into it with a friend of mine, and um, and he got grabby in a way that maybe he didn't need to, and then so we you know we intervened, we got in, got and so it. yeah yeah, and so you know he did manage to get us all out the door, which is like fucking, we're not going to stay in a bar, we get in a fight with the bouncer, like we were on our way out anyway, but we like they definitely knew who we we were, and definitely were like yeah, you guys can't come back here. I'm sure I could go back there now if I wanted to, like they don't know who the fuck I am, yeah, but I'm sure you know like I had to come back next week, they'd have been like yeah been back uh you know i kind of don't want to like literally i mean i've been back have i been back since that night that might have been the last night i was there yeah. it's a bit yeah i've done comedy there oh god damn no <laughs> it's oh. a bit dour it's like a shell of what it used to be yeah i mean so it's still like cool to be in the building but you're like what am i doing here <laughs> like yeah like yeah. And there, there's definitely like three four drunks at the bar and like it's 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 fascinating yeah I mean, it I think was... they have i think they have music still playing there i mean yeah i'm sure you can i mean i think i've seen that that bands do play there but you know it's like you know i i uh i'd been sneaking into that bar when i was like i I never drank there though i had been been sneaking into that bar for a long time and then finally went there on my 21st birthday so yeah the night before the um it turned midnight that night that we got we all all the punks got banned and then it was the next night where we went to linda's doll hut and we got banned because my friend um i think he was just going out to his car and he had like a beer in his hand like not thinking about it because he was coming back it was a kind of thing that we kind of did all the time because we knew people who worked there and stuff. Yeah. And so, and he just got like real handsy. He was like, no, you can't. And he's like, I'm coming right back. And he like fucking like grabbed it out of his hand. And then it was like a whole thing. Oh, God. And then the bottle broke and we, you know, shoving uh-huh. happened. Yeah. And then like, you guys are the fuck out of here. Like, fuck you. So we left. And then we ended up going to um, that club in Long Beach, that bar. Uh, it's numbers. It's like 330 something or other. Is it still that? <sighs> where is it located? It might be called a different thing now. No, it's there because I've, I've seen people. 330 It's like three. It's like numbers, whatever it is. Like oh. 30. I don't know. Whatever the fuck that bar is in Long Beach. Uh, we went there. And uh, and this one I'm proud. Like I legitimately got kicked out of this bar because uh, they had a pinball machine. And uh, like I, we, we used to play a lot of pinball. I do. So I still play a lot of pinball. 
which is a very old fashioned like there's no, that's amazing. you've got like 20 something year olds listening it's like what is pinball it's like i'm talking about uh you know like uh pay phones or social security Pinball's or something yeah. a game that like you can get so fucking mad at like if you oh yeah yeah rhythm and then you break that rhythm and it's just like, ah! oh, like well i did exactly that yeah <laughs> So uh, what the 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 way that it was is like the legs on it weren't one solid leg all the way to the top. They were like these weird. Um, it's like that metal like you see on a stop sign. That's like a like a like a square tube of metal okay. that has like holes yeah, yeah. in it, right? Like, and so they had basically just had a plate that held two sections of that holding it together. IKEA legs, kind of, to yeah. Bring it back to IKEA for sure. IKEA and legs. and uh, so there's basically just a uh, a hinge point on these. Should you want to like bump the machine at all? And the tilt on it was set really low, like just not because like you get when you play pinball, you got to finesse the machine a bit yeah. like that's just the way fucking pinball is played. And so I was doing that and I got tilt on the machine and the bartender or the owner was like, hey, you can't like don't you watch your watch what the fuck you're doing or something. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like I'm barely nudging it. Right. It's like, OK, so I like play a little more and I fucking uh, and it tilts again. Like I just overdo it. And I'm like and I'm not I'm like I'm just kind of giving a little nudge like I'm not fucking leaning on the machine, right. but I'm like and he's like, fucking don't do that. And I think now and it all, you know being an adult now, I kind of like look back and I'm like, well, he knew that the legs weren't stable and he probably set the tilt that low so that people wouldn't do it because as I did, uh, I fucking, um, tilts a third time on me on this bullshit. Like I was doing pretty good. I was in my rhythm. It tilts on me again. And I was just kind of, I barely nudged it. Uh, and it fucking tilts. So I drains out I'm like, fuck you. So I push it like kind of full on, which takes the legs past their little stress point And they just fucking fold in half. <laughs> halfway up the leg and so the whole machine just drops to the ground okay. very loudly and very violently so you end punk rock at one club yeah yeah at a, at, it's a all together they were just like yeah. reverse re, reverse drive-by yep. australian madness oh yeah 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 you gotta go yep, yep. Yeah, everybody's gotta go lights are out yep then you get in a f fight at the doll hut, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which tracks. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Who doesn't get in you, a fight at the doll hut? And then you ruined a pinball machine. <laughs> I broke a, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, it's that uh, High Speed, I think is the name of that pinball okay. game. Yeah, it's the one with the, um, it's got a, uh, um, I think it's High H-I Speed. Yeah, it's yeah. a really old, like 80s pinball game. That was That's pretty good so at, funny. yeah, yeah, so. So yeah, um, but Happy yeah. Twenty first birthday. Thank you. Yeah, that Let's was go. fun. We yeah. have fun in recovery, yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> we do, and that's not the. I mean, I've done. You know, uh, I, I tend to just kind of. I still go out with everyone, and I'm good to a point. Um, yeah. You know, I try to make sure no one's going to get hurt. Uh, you know, I try to facilitate a good time, um, but I definitely won't get sucked into something that's going to get me in. I mean, like I'm a I'm a parent now. You know, I've yeah. got like uh, children that I got to think of. So You're like, super yeah, grown up. yeah, yeah. So if we're like breaking into a pool as much as as much fun as that sounds, like <laughs> yeah. You idiots are on your own, you know. I did a bunch of that when I was newly sober as well. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, and I have to, uh, at sidebar, yeah. I have to, um, I don't know if it's an amends or anything, but I just want to, A, thank you for your generosity the last time we were, I was here. Okay. And B, apologize because you wanted to hang and oh. I was as sick as I could have possibly been. I didn't know I needed surgery. Like, I was oh, shit. so sick. And so, um, like, my, my poor body was just, like, running out of blood. So I kept having to go lay down. So I feel bad because as a person who likes to, like, go hard, I still... I'm, I mean, of all the guys, I'm the one who will stay out till four in the morning. Like, I'm definitely the one. But I had to take it easy that night. And so I wish we could have partied it up and gotten poutine at two in the morning. Oh, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I was just like, my body is falling apart. It's totally cool. Uh, I, I, I kind of felt like I might have just foisted myself on you. No, I, you I, I just. Were uh, the you were the best. I felt like such a dick. I oh, no, no, no. Like, oh, I got to go uh, lay down. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the apology. You're, uh, 
not a problem. Uh, yeah, uh, I honestly, I just the reason I did that is because I'd asked you guys to come out. Yeah. Uh, so um, I've I've just done a few things where. Um, the people who asked me to come out had no idea what to do with me once I got there. Yeah. And then I'm just like, I literally, um, so sweet and accommodating. I got, oh, thank you. I mean, that's what I want. Cause like, I literally, I got brought out to Portland one time. The girl who brought me out there, uh, introduced me to like two people who I just met that day. We yeah. had, we, we went like me and this girl, I know we went and had uh, dinner with these people. Yeah. And then she went to go fight with her boyfriend for six and a half hours. Oh, fun. Yeah. And then I just got stuck. She's like, we'll just hang out with this guy. And you guys were like, I'll be there soon. And so me and this guy that I barely, so I got to know him really. He's actually a really good friend of mine now. Oh, we like, nice. we've done some work together, nice. but it's like, uh, but fucking, she just dumped me off. And then I'm like That's stuck in, so in Portland, funny. uh, while she like literally fights, makes up with and fucks her boyfriend, like all in the same. Yeah. She came back all like bruised and stuff. Not from the fighting, from the fucking. Yeah, it was just kind of. Yeah. Just well, like yeah. Bless her. I uh, hope she figured that out. Uh, no, she's not with that guy. She That's doesn't think she's figured much out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's still doing her thing. Uh, you know, whatever. I yeah. So being the like intense a person of extremes, I'm going to say that oh, for as sure. a person of extremes, like yeah, yeah. I I know. Um, being a person of extremes, how do you make decisions in your life? Oof. Uh. At this point, I kind of do what feels right, you know, and I guess that's just a um, what's going to be uh, satisfying to me, like what's going to make me kind of happier, whole, or, or um, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I, I, you know, I've been, you know, I've been a professional creative for a good chunk of my life, so I've, I've uh, most of my life at this point, yeah, and I, I've just kind of been, you know, uh, indulged a certain degree, and then also had to kind of play, play the game, you know, to. to just to get money, just to get paid for what I do or, you know, yeah. um, and I'm just at the point now where I just kind of don't, you know, I don't want to do anything that's a waste of my time. I don't want right. to do anything just for the money. I don't want to do anything, um, just out of sense of obligation, you know, like I want it to be meaningful to some, some way, shape or form within the, the grander context of, of me and my family and, and kind of, you know, what's, yeah. what's going to work out for us. So I just kind of, you know, Something that services the primary purpose of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, so I just kind of, I'm at a point now where I'm kind of making scary decisions where I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn down this job or turn down this opportunity uh, because it's, it's not quite right. You know, and that's the hard thing is like when something's almost there, but you, but it's not, you know, yeah. uh, and the, the, the temptation to want to get into it and then turn it into what you want while, you know, like, and that I, I can't wait for anything to change right now, you know? So, um, yeah, I think I just make decisions kind of based on, uh, yeah, what's what's going to be healthy for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've done too many things where I, I sacrificed mental and physical health uh, in service of, like, money, you know? Because I yeah. think I'm going to buy back that health or happiness at some point, like, which just doesn't happen. <laughs> so I'm trying to be good about saying no these days and, or at least being honest about my availability and interest in things, you know? So it's like if someone wants me to do some project with them, I'm like that sounds amazing. It sounds fun. I don't really have the bandwidth for it, and or uh, you know, hit me up in two months, three months. Right. I may have time for it, you know. But I'm just gonna right. I'm gonna be real honest about um, about uh, about my engagement with it. I suppose you know, yeah. I just kind of want to be engaged with my life, right? So there's, right. I guess there's probably the the overall is just like I want to I want to be engaged in all the things that I do. Yeah. Um, and I'm just kind of feel like I've earned the point where I don't have to do shit that doesn't engage me. So sometimes we have to say no and trust that it's that the correct thing is going to avail itself. If it, if yeah. it was an opportunity I was meant to have, then that opportunity will come back around when it is yeah. the right time for it to be. I don't necessarily subscribe to a meant to be, but I feel like I've, uh, I've 
clawed my way out of enough situations that I know I can do it again, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if I, if I say no to this money because I think something else is going to pan out for me and then I get there and that doesn't pan out, I'll figure something out. Yeah. Like I'll build the mm-hmm. fucking parachute on the way down. Like I, I've, yeah. I, I, I've done it enough. I've got 44 years on the planet of kind of getting by. And at this point it's like, if it's not going to kill me or my family, like it's right. not, you know, like it's a, there's a lot of steps between me and complete destitution, you know? So it's like, yeah. I, I, I'll be okay, you know? So, uh, I mean, if I have to take like some, you know, eat some shit and do something I don't want, you know, once or twice, that's fine. But I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be more finite in those things that, that are just for the money, you know? So I've, I've gotten involved in projects that are just kind of like the money's good, but they're super open-ended and it's like, they just won't finish the fucking job. Just say that we're done. Write me the check, you know? Like we cannot keep rewriting this copy. We can't redraw this anymore. We can't, you know, like all of these things kind of, uh, I'm trying to be like, here's the things you asked for. Here's how you're getting them. Here's how, you know, here's your opportunity to change them, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, at X date, you're writing me a check because I can't keep circling back onto shit that's already done in my head. You know, do you do, um, a uh, scope of work? When you send it out? I do, Usually but that's what yeah, yeah. saves me from those situations. That's what I've been better about. It's just being real d- definite about like, um, you know, when I say business suite, this is what I mean. It's these five things, these two things or whatever. Uh, right. The same with illustrations. It's just, you know, yeah, you can get to that thing where you're like, um, you know, I've, I've just, and honestly, I've just been better about like letting people know my frustration when it's becoming frustrating too. Right. But I'm just like, I was with, you know, doing the project, that big project I was talking about um, earlier. And we got to a point where it's like literally three in the morning. And he was finding like typos and stuff. And I was just like, got on the phone with him. I'm like, look, man, this has to leave the building. Like I cannot continue to work on this. I have to get up at six in the morning to drop this off at the printer so that it will make your delivery date. Right. This is the last round. Sorry. Like I just was like this, this we, we cannot continue like this. Right. So um, yeah, right. so it, it's a, uh, sorry, just making sure no one really needed me. No, um, yeah, good. I do have children. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, I feel no. like an asshole checking my phone on stuff, but I'm like, I do no. have, I do have children who drive at this point in my life. So like the, you the, gotta, yeah, you, yeah. You're, you gotta be dad. Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah. That's Unfortunately. A, that's just totally, that's totally fine. What is, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in the last, you know, 28 years? Uh, that I can get shit done, that I can actually do things. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I think I started a lot of things when I was an addict, um, and didn't really have a lot of follow through. Yeah. But, uh, I've seen that I can build things for me, which has been nice, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I I guess the fact that I can, um, stick to something, chip away at it, and then eventually it becomes a thing, you know? So I think that's probably, um, yeah, that I that I that I can actually get something done. I think is probably the most surprising thing because I I can I think I kind of bought into the whole fact that I was a fuck up for a long time. Right. So, um, and not like in a woe is me kind of way, but just like a, a, I'm going to be this marginalized, you know, like fuck up. <laughs> I'm just going to be on the outskirts of society. Right. For the rest of my life. Right. You didn't have any people in your life reinforcing that, or um, no? I mean, like, yeah, I've been, you know, I've, I've always been creative. Like, I've been a, a good illustrator for, you know. Yeah since birth and I, my parents were really good about nurturing that. But like, you know, if you, if you want to be an artist, I mean, you want, you're a comedian, right? Yeah. So it's like you, you tell people in your life that you want to be a comedian and that doesn't sound like a, uh, doesn't sound like a real thing. Like, a, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, that sounds like a nice hobby to have. Right. Well, what are you really going to do? And you're like, no, I'm going to be an artist. Like I'm going to draw, draw stuff for a living. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. And there's no, it's such a, a amorphous, ambiguous path to get there. And the metrics for success are skewed for people who aren't in that world, right? So, like, when I tell my guidance counselor, you know, in Catholic school that I want to be an artist, they're like, well, you can't be Picasso. 
And I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah, no shit. Picasso wasn't really Picasso till the end of his life. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, you know, like that's what in their head. It's like, I want to be Gauguin. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they heard me say. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, I can draw and pay all my bills if I become a commercial artist and get a rep and, you know, work with work in agencies and build a network of client base and develop a niche and, and a style that's in demand yeah didn't a lot of those famous artists have a side hustle where they, oh, they drew, all did they drew pictures of women and they would paint pictures of women in parlors next to yeah. fancy dogs and then they would do their art oh for sure and yeah. they also had patrons they had yeah. people who many yeah. no no bites no bites sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, and um, yeah, so I mean, it's like that's, but that's the thing they don't they don't understand is that there's the metric for success is is uh, is not understood. Oh, she just wants to play. She's like, I want to play so bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so you know, they just they just didn't know. You know, like my parents knew that I could do it. They just didn't know what the right. path was. And so like my daughter is a is a musician, and uh, she wants she's going to school for she's going off to college uh, for music this year. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Thank and congrats you. to you as oh, well. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. That's a big that's a big achievement as a parent. When oh, you, yeah. When you send the kid off to college. It's she's uh, she's a Mexican girl going to graduate high school without a baby. Hell so yeah. yeah. So uh, Hell yeah. as a Mexican father, uh, I win. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's also half Australian, so she should have at least had a couple abortions by now. But, that's yeah. <laughs> um, Australians, the Mexicans of white. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, uh, that reminds. Uh, this that's is that's a terrible joke. I'll tell you later. Uh, it reminds me, it's like the best burn I had. I got like two people simultaneously, but uh, I'll tell you about that later. Um, and uh, maybe when we're off, Mike, I'll keep the the oh. racist bullshit off. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, I. Um, yeah, so she's studying music, and I just wanted, like, she sees me as a professional creative. Like, I'm not rich, and I'm not, like, famous, right. but I've got a fan base, and I pay my bills by drawing pictures. So she can see that uh, that there's a metric for success that, that goes beyond, like, being a world... Like, she doesn't need to be, you know, uh, Lady Gaga to be a successful musician, exactly. right? Exactly. I don't think she wants that either. Like, I think right. she just wants... I mean, because she plays a lot of instruments, so she just wants to create music right. and then make a living at that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had, you know... I had support from my parents who were like, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you just need to, you know, their whole thing is like, you need to work hard. They didn't understand kind of the networking aspect of it. And I don't think society really understood networking in the way that we do currently because it was like the eighties, right? Yeah. Minnie, good God. Is she nipping at you? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. (laughs) She wants attention. Yeah. She's like, I want attention so hard. You might end up, hey, you you might end up in your crate. Yeah, that's right. I I said the crate word. Um, And, uh what's it called uh so but you know but these nuns like that was just fucking ridiculous like to so just my kind of you know and and real early on i kind of viewed myself as an artist and so to you know go to school every day and and uh you know talk to these these women who were whoa holy shit hold on do we need to pause this for a second yeah, we're good. all right um and so uh you know get to a point where um where i'm telling them that that the thing that that defines me is is uh is laughable you know Hey, buddy. Yeah, what are you doing, hon? Oh, my here. gosh. All right. Here, I'm going to start throwing stuff. <laughs> All right, we paused. Are we good? We here. can do either. Here, I'm just going to do that. Go get that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if we can just kind of casually play with her. Come here. She's so cute. Yeah, she's fine. She just definitely... She's just definitely a puppy. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I want I want your attention. I want you to play. All right, we'll just uh, do this. So I had these, you know, yeah, these, these nuns who were just telling me that, like, kind of the thing that, that I am yeah. is, isn't going to happen. Like you, yeah. you can't be you essentially. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was discouraging. Uh, and then just realizing that my, my chosen 
life's path was kind of uh, an act of subversion, you know, almost right. was kind of like it made the transition into uh, being a fuck up real easy. You know, it's like, so if you're going to, if, you know, if uh, I'm going to be starving artist, you know, destitute living in warehouses, uh, you know, junkie, whatever, like that's, that's, if that's part of the ride, that's part of the ride. And I kind of resigned myself to it. I think it over romanticized the idea of that kind of like Bukowski-esque, you know, creative that's tortured by his, you know, creativity somehow. Yeah. And, and, um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it all seems romantic until you know people who are actually have, you know, like, it's like I remember seeing Kerouac in like his later years on TV and thinking like how fucking cool it was that he never sold out. And then I see Kerouac now, like, you know, I'm older than he was when he died, I think. And I'm like, I see those like later years of him, like, fuck, sad old man. You know, like he yeah. could have, he had so much in him that he could have like, you know, he had been so sharp when he was young. He could have kept that way, you know, way later in his life. But then you look at someone like Burroughs and you're like, well, fuck that guy kind of. Kind of right. held held it together on on heroin for the good chunk of his life, you know. So, um, I don't know. I uh, I don't know that people were necessarily telling me that I was a fuck up, but I think they were telling me that what I wanted to do was going to lead me to ruin. They wanted you to play it safe, yeah, because yeah. they loved you, yeah, because they, they were afraid for me, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, I think that's the thing is like they creativity is so subjective that it's hard, you know. Uh, you know, muggles want to quantify it in some way, shape, or form, right? <laughs> so when someone, um. You know, you get dumb questions as a comedian, right? Yeah. So they're like, uh, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a comedian. So their metric for success is always going to be, and I keep I keep using that phrase, but you know, their idea of how that would look like you succeeded was, have you been on TV? Have you been on a show that I, you know, like, yeah. it's like, well, no, but I play all these clubs and I make, I'll pay all my bills with right. comedy. Like I'm a fucking comedian, right? So uh, someone sees a piece of art that I did and uh, it might be, you know, some something more abstract and not photorealistic or, or uh, naturalistic in, in any shape or way. So people want to put um, being a good artist as either being able to photorealistically represent the world right. and or spending a lot of time on something, right? And so, you are a very good artist. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, but someone looks at a piece of art and they're like, so how long did that take you? And I'm like, that's such a bullshit question. You know what I mean? Like, That's crazy. People ask you that? Oh, yeah, yeah. People just, well, I understand that they're trying to make sense of, okay. of the creativity because they don't they don't fucking know, right? Because oh. I'm i an atheist who deals in magic, right? Like I, right. like most of what I do is just in my head and then yeah. I sit there. So if I sit there and I think about something while I'm out walking my dog for an hour and then I... I sit down and it comes out in 20 minutes, you know, or if I'm in the shower and something just comes to me and I'm like drawing it in the, in the, uh, in the fog on the shower door. And then I come out and I, I jolt it down, uh, in, in five minutes. That's not necessarily a worse piece of art than something where I sat for two hours cause I didn't quite have it. Right. You know, I was like pushing the pixels around or just pushing my pencil around, yeah. just trying to figure it out. And so to quantify it that way, to say that creativity is, is, is somehow the amount of time you put into it. And it's like, well, realistically the five minute drawing has taken me 44 years to, to draw. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's how long it took me to do that. It was 44 years, right. but no one wants those kind of like weird, you know, bullshit. Like my entire life leading up to this moment has allowed me to make that one piece of work that I did at this moment. Like people don't want to hear those kind of conversations. They just want to, they want an, uh, a cost per hour, uh, breakdown that fits on a spreadsheet. Cause they're, you know, we don't teach creativity in this country. If you know? We don't. And I wish you could tell, I wish, I wish I had gotten, that bit of information from you when I first started doing comedy and also uh, I wish that's something we could put on just print it out get, <laughs> just bomb the LA comedy scene with because yeah. there is this sense that like well I if I do four you know four mics a night yeah. and I grind and I write this many with roast battle it was if I write this many jokes then I know mm -hmm. that I put in the work to make this project complete Mm -hmm. And it isn't how creativity works at all. Mm -hmm. And there are those moments where sometimes I'd write a joke 
One of the best ones jokes I wrote for Roast Battle, I wrote in, I literally was drinking coffee. I was in the office at my, at the rehab I worked at, and I was just banging out jokes, not even thinking about it. It was just sort of like folding my laundry. I was just writing yeah. jokes. And and then another one that was really good took me days of crafting. And it, you just don't yeah. know, you just don't know what kind of yeah, thing I mean, is going to happen. Exactly. The creativity but the real creative person has spent their life making themselves make make creating the capacity within themselves for those yeah. flashes of genius right. like that's what you're doing that's that's what the hours are about they're not about building the genius they're about building the space in your mind where the genius can flood into when uh, when it shows up right see I'm, I'm doing the artist way right now and that's yeah. um that's been because i i didn't consider i didn't allow myself to cons to think of my life as a creative journey until I was in my thirties. I didn't have uh, the self-esteem to, to, yeah, it took yeah, me a long really, time to, to say the word, uh, when people ask me what, what I do to say to just, just flat out, I'm an artist, you know, mm -hmm. like it definitely took me a, uh, a, a, you know, like I don't, uh, I don't say I'm a comedian. I say I do comedy. You right. know, when people ask me like, like, Oh, you're a comedian. I'm like, Oh, I, I, do I do comedy. Cause I don't feel like I'm a comedian. I feel like I do comedy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I, I do something ridiculous for a living anyway. <laughs> it's just like I draw pictures for a living and I pay all my bills that way. Uh, Minnie, sorry. Here. Oh, here. Can you grab her? Th here. Let me yeah, see if she'll go for this. She's doing. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is going to be a real interesting episode. She's funny. But uh, yeah, so it's like, um, but I have no problem saying I'm an artist. And because like this, the idea that, uh, that not only should I just be able to draw pictures for a living, but somehow I should supplement that with, uh, just making people listen to me for a right. living. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and I, you know, whatever, I've got a point of view and I think people find it humorous, but, um, to be honest though, I just, I, you know, the, the hours that I put into art, um, I feel like, uh, I don't know that I could put those hours into comedy in the same way, you know, like I, I don't feel like I could commit to it in, in the same way. Like I have fun doing it and people, Oh Jesus, man. Hey, mama. Hold on a second. We might need to put her away. Right. Let's do this. Minnie. Nope. Thank you.